Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Uh, good morning, my beautiful church. How are you today? You feeling good today? You made it out of the rain, so good. Welcome. If you're a guest today, we want to give you a great clap. Can you join me? We're so glad you came to be with us. What a great day. I'm always impressed with those that, that make it out in the, the weather like this and your hearts are for the kingdom of God. And I understand if you have little children, you're like, hey, we're not getting out. So grace to you. It'll be online. And um, so, but any way that you catch the service, I'm proud of you. But but you made it here today, and I'm just going to believe there's something special for you in that. Can I get an amen, church? Amen. amen. Well, before I jump into the message, I want to continue a reminder that I have given each week in the month of December, and that is if you are considering making a year-end donation, I would love for you to consider making that here. There, there are lots of organizations that are asking for your money, and, and they're great organizations, and, and God bless them, we're for them, we'll support them. Uh, but we believe that God is on the move here. We believe the kingdom is, is now for us, and we want to see God do great things and love for you to support through a year-end gift. That would be great. If you're a business leader and, and you've made your profits and you're like, how do I keep from paying taxes at, such a, at so much? And listen, I believe we should pay our taxes, but I don't want to pay a penny more than I'm supposed to. And if there's a way to not pay taxes, and I'm going to find that and use that, and one of the ways you can reduce your taxes is a great gift right here. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Amen. Hey, before I go into my message, I want to ask us to say a special prayer for Travis and Michelle McCracken, uh, members of our church, and they're really having a difficult time right now. Uh, Michelle's dad passed away on Thursday and then this morning, they woke up to find out that Travis's mom passed away last night. Um, so they lost a father and a mother in a matter of days. And um, so they were in, I believe, Kentucky. And now he's driving to Virginia and leaving part of the family in one part of, this, of the country to go to another to be with family. And, and I spoke with him this morning. And, and he's processing it. But he, he just it's hard to imagine how you face those things. And so as a church body... Uh, I want to pray for them. If you know them, be a great time to reach out and let them know your hearts are, are for them and lifting them up. And um, so I'm going to pray for them and then for our, the message as well. And so if you join me in that. Father, in these most difficult times, Travis and Michelle are, are facing the loss of, of parents within just a matter of days right here at Christmas. And Lord, our hearts feel the weight of that and the heaviness of that. And I pray that as a church body, as we, as we pray together, that our prayer would be answered, that your Holy Spirit would be a comforter to them in their time of need. Lord, I pray that it would go beyond what understanding would be and into a spirit realm that they have faith and confidence that you are with them and that you would just give them an unusual amount of peace through it all. Father, strengthen them. Give them safety as they're navigating between two states. Help them to bring all the plans together. And Lord, that they may 
have a, a, a memory in the end that is glorifying to you. And so bless them, we pray. And Father, for this message today, of course, I believe that they're always appointed by you and for a specific purpose. And so God, I pray that there would be an anointing on the words and Lord, this wouldn't be just another day, but this would be your day, your word for a specific reason. People have made a way out through this rain and, and the weather and some are catching online, Lord. And Lord, for that time that they're in it, Lord, use it to impact our hearts, to draw, you, draw us closer to you today. And in the name of Jesus, I pray this, and let's all say it together, one, two, three, amen. Amen. Well, my sermon title today, I think, is somewhat a funny one in some ways, um, but it's the reality of life, and it's how to have a Merry Christmas around difficult people. And, and that's just the reality of it. There are difficult people in our life, and, and I want to help us today to have a, a Merry Christmas when there are still difficult people in our life, and and some of them may be in your home for the holidays, and, and how are you going to navigate those, those difficult moments? The Bible teaches us to love everyone, right? But sometimes I don't like everyone. Have you, are you there? Have you ever been in that situation? Yep. How many of you would recognize that some people are just harder to love than others? If that's you, would you raise your hand? All right, some of you are like, hey, all the people in your life are sweet. Uh, listen, go to the mall. Today I want to talk about the, the issue of how do we deal, how do we respond to difficult people? Maybe there are difficult people when you are at Walmart. Maybe there are difficult people at your workplace or at school or maybe they are coming home for the holidays and, and it's just difficult. And the only way that you're going to separate yourself from difficult people would be in some fantasy land where you have moved to a remote island and there is no one on your island but yourself. And some of you dream of that, I know, um, but that, that's the only way. I did hear a little joke about that years ago that there was a man who was shipwrecked and he found himself on a deserted island. He lived there for many years and years later, some, a boat came by and found him on his island and there were three huts on the island. And they asked him, you know, what, why'd you build three huts? And, and he said, well, the first hut was my home. I had to have a place to live. And he said, the second hut is my church because I wanted to worship God. And they said, well, why do you have a third hut? He said, well, there was a disagreement in my church and I had to build another church and go somewhere else. Um, so... Listen, it's just, listen, there's just going to be friction in life and, and personalities. There's just going to be difficulties. Our pastor, mine and Herod's pastor, used to have this funny little saying, and he would say, to dwell above with the saints we love, that will be such glory. But to live below with all the saints we know, now that's a different story. <laughs> and so we're in that different story today. We're, we're with people, and, and people are not perfect. Max Licato said one time, he said, some people have been called as missionaries of misery sent into your world to wreak havoc. And uh, so, listen, we want to we wanna figure it out today and how to, how to respond and, and how to have a Merry Christmas. So I want to take us to the 
book of 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul is giving instruction to a young pastor by the name of Timothy. Timothy probably has been known as being maybe a little timid in how he handled church difficulties and people that were difficult in his church. And the Apostle Paul is his mentor and he's giving him instructions on on how to handle difficult people. And so I'm going to read this text to you and we'll just talk through it a little bit and then I have a lot of great advice for you on the back end of this message. So it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, 23 through 24, it says, again I say, and he's saying this to Timothy, he says, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. And so he's, he's giving some instructions to him about those that initiate arguments. And he, he's saying, un, unless it's significant, you, you probably don't need to have that fight. And you sure don't want to escalate something into something more than it is. And I believe that Paul's first encouragement to us is to take the power away from those difficult people. That when they start something around you and in the home or wherever you may be, that you reserve your own power, you don't give it to them, and you determine what's going to happen in this conversation. So don't give someone the power to bait you into an argument that you don't want to be a part of. So Paul goes on to say then, and, and, and I'll say to you, I don't think this is the easiest of text for me and for most people, but I'll read it to you because it's the word of God and it teaches us, but it says that a servant of the Lord, meaning Christians today, you and I, must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Now that's not always easy, but that's what it says to us, and to be able to teach and be patient with who? Everybody say it with me. Difficult people. There they are. Difficult people come in all shapes and sizes, don't they? They're in our life. They're around us. They may be the negative people. You, you ever hang around people who are just negative all the time? I, that, that's the difficult person in my life. If negativity hurts me at the core. Then there are people that complain, and, and I'll be honest with you, I have fallen into some complaining lately, and I need to get out of that, so I'm somebody's difficult person. There are argumentative people, there are hypocritical people, there are rude people, there are people that have a flashpoint of anger, there are people that, that just talk way too much. Do you have any way too much talker people in your life? Or maybe the close talker. You're like, hey, back it up a little bit, you know? I don't know, but they're difficult. There are demanding people. There are controlling people, manipulating people. There are other people who are just easily offended about everything, and they're difficult to be around. There are needy people, people that gossip and are divisive, and there are people that are kind of backstabbing and selfish people. I mean, listen, all of these. And, and, and I've learned also as I'm reading through these that I should read scripture with a mirror and not with binoculars. Meaning that when I hear these things, I first need to, what, who am I in this story? Before I zoom in on the person, right? It's easy to look at others and go, look what's wrong with you. Some of this is, you and I, sometimes, listen, I'm just going to tell you, you are somebody's difficult person. 
Isn't that great? You think you're sweet. And, 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 and for the most part, you probably are. But there's somebody out there that you drive crazy. And so they're dealing with you as well. There are people that are dishonest. Have you ever run into the one-upper person? You know, like you, you have something, to, a story and something great. And, and they go, oh, let me tell you my story. And before you know it, you feel like nothing. And oh, those people. There are those that stick their nose into your business that shouldn't stick their nose into your business and high maintenance. I went to Walmart and met every one of these people. I'll be honest with you. I had a, I had a, um, a moment this week where I was a little rude and, and I, I felt the need to, to apologize to, to a Home Depot employee um, so we have purchased a fixer-upper house that, that we thought needed a hug. Turns out it, it needs a make-out session. Um, <laughs> and, and things keep breaking. And, and so, so the hot water heater went out after a week of being in the house. And, and I thought, you know, I'm a man. I, I'm, I'm going to fix my hot water heater. You know, you do. I'm like, I can do this. I've worked on hot water heaters before. And, you know, and so I went up into the attic and found the hot water heater. And I had my little, little meter that tested whether or not the power is on. And so I turned the power off. And I knew that most likely the elements. And so if you know anything about a hot water heater, it has these two little two warmers that are in the hot water heater. And I thought, well, I'll just change them both out since we're draining this thing down. And so I, I went and got a hose at Home Depot, because we moved in, I couldn't find my hose and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so when I brought the hose up to the attic to drain this out, the, the faucet on the bottom of the hot water heater was too close to the edge of the drip pan, and the hose wouldn't get to it. And so I was like, oh, you know, like, I just spent, and hoses, who would imagine a hose would be like 40 bucks today? So, but I got a new hose. And so then I thought, well, it's got a drip pan. I looked and there's a, a hole and a, and a drain that goes out the side of the house and drops out. And I thought, well, I'll just slightly turn on this faucet and let it drip and go down the back drain. And it'll go out, you know, the back of the house and I'll drain this thing down. Take me a little longer, but I'm all good with that. And so I started it and the drain pan just filled up and it was about to overflow and I turned it off. And I'm like, why isn't it draining? And so obviously it's clogged. So I go to get my shop back. And so I take it around to the drain. And if you've ever done this, you can hook your shop back up to it. Well, it wouldn't hook up really well. So I, I get duct tape on this thing and I'm getting this thing set up and I click the button and all of a sudden I hear this water gushing out. Fills up my little thing, it's great. And then hook it. So I go up there, I'm like, problem solved. Turn it back on, fills back up, won't drain. I, I do this probably five times. Like in a matter of, of like an hour, I am going up, filling up the tank, sucking it out over and over and finally exasperated. This isn't working because it's, you know, a 35 gallon tank and I'm doing it like half a gallon at a time. And I'm like, I'll be here after church still doing this a week later. So I decided to go back to Home Depot to find a something that I could attach to the side of that faucet. Long story, y'all with me okay? Listen, I'm, you got to feel my pain, people. You got to feel this pain. 
I'm living it out again. So I hook up this little thing that diverts the water and I can get the hose on it. And so I finally get that done and I drain this thing out and only to discover that when I had gone, so this, that's my second trip, only discovered that when I bought the elements, I bought one that was a 3,500 and one that was a 4,500 and I had bought the wrong sizes. So back to Home Depot, third time. And what should have been an hour project is now, I'm three hours into this thing, sweating, mad. I get in there and I'm shopping for this crazy element. And guess what? They don't have the other 4,500 element. So now I'm going to Lowe's and on the way out, the lady says, hey, thanks for coming, have a great day. She's happy, smiling, I look at her. Now, I didn't say anything, but I gave her the look. I came home and Harriet's in the house. I said, don't even talk to me. I like, I can't say a word, I'm frustrated, I'm mad. And, and listen, I stomped around the house for an hour. Finally, I gave up, called a repairman, he came out. He looks at the thing, he goes, oh, it's not your hot water heater. Your breaker's broken. We have to fix the breaker. So I'm just telling you, we can all have a bad day and be a little rude with the Home Depot people, be a little rude with your spouse, and, and maybe there's a, a buffer zone of grace that is needed at times. And, and I'm just telling you, I understand that sometimes I'm the problem. Sometimes you're the problem but maybe there are bigger problems we need to deal with today, amen? So the Apostle Paul, he encouraged this young Timothy to not get in petty arguments and not quarrel, but, but he is not saying to avoid all controversial topics. That's not Paul's heart. He's not saying to, to, to tolerate poor and harmful actions by others because listen, if you know Paul, and you read through the scriptures, you know that at one point in the book of Galatians, he, he said to them in a letter and he's, he's chastising them and he says, I marvel at how quick you deserted the grace of God. So like he, he'll put it on them. So it wasn't that he was saying in every situation you're supposed to be a doormat. At one point he, he boasted in some ways about how he confronted Peter face to face about his hypocrisy. And so... Paul is not saying, lay down and let people roll over you. And so he goes on in this same conversation with Timothy. So first he said, let, let some things go. But then in the next verse 25, he says, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Gently instruct. And so I looked up that word instruct there because I thought, well, that sounds nice and, and, and sweet. And, and Paul wasn't saying it nice and sweet. Instruct means to correct, it means to discipline, and even chastise if necessary. And so he's like, do it gently, but be strong in your correction. He's like, there's a place for you to, to at times let things go, but there's a place for you at times that you've got to step in and confront poor behavior that's happening. Kind of reminds me if you ever read through the Beatitudes, and it, it says, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the kingdom of God. And, 
And sometimes we think of meekness as weakness, but meekness isn't weakness. It's, it's harnessed power to deliver a, a message in submissive humility, but it's, it's powerful in your kindness. And, and I believe that's what Paul is saying. There's a way to confront. And so the scripture goes on to say, and I'll finish reading it after he says that. He says, and let me just back it up. He says, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. And then he says, perhaps God will change those people's hearts. Perhaps. There's no guarantees. Not everyone's going to respond, right? But perhaps God will change their heart. Then they'll learn the truth. Then they'll come to their senses. Well, don't we want that? And escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him who do, to do whatever he wants. So sometimes we are to let a matter go. And sometimes, though, we are to oppose the matter. Sometimes we are to, to just put up with something, maybe that's low level, and sometimes we're supposed to confront it. And when I read this, I'm like, well, Paul, which one? How do I know? Is this the time to let it go or is this the time to, to put that gentle punch on it? Well, how do I know? And so I've come up with a, an idea that I think might help you to know, is this to let it go or is this to to go for it. Because sometimes if you understand why someone's acting the way they're acting, it gives you the story behind the story and it gives you the ability to understand what to do. And so sometimes people are just having that bad day. You know that. Sometimes they're having a, just a series of unfortunate circumstances and it's brought them to a point of frustration and, and even good Christians and pastors have moments at times, right? We just need your patience. But maybe there are some people that don't really know God. Maybe they're just, they just don't know God. They're, they're unbelievers and unbelievers will just have different values and different pursuits. And sometimes they will actually oppose you because of who you are and what you believe in your life. And it creates friction when you are at times around unbelievers. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter seven, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my father in heaven will enter. And so unbelievers are not doing the will of God. And you shouldn't expect them to. I like, don't, don't be surprised at behavior and, and things that happen through them in your life. Don't, don't be shocked at that. Don't be surprised at their conversations that are drastically different than yours. Don't be surprised that their values are different than yours. Sometimes in those situations, I have found that, that the, the Holy Spirit inside of me and the unholy spirit inside of others just stirs conflict at times. And unintended conflict, but light and darkness don't easily mix at times. And so sometimes it's just a spiritual component and you need to understand that when you're in that situation, is this what's happening? Is it a spiritual component or is this person just have different values and, and how am I going to work with all this? And so maybe understanding the why helps you. And I would say to you that in this situation, your primary goal with this person who doesn't really know God is to lead them to Christ because that's your primary goal. Listen, you can give them all your points, but if their heart isn't ever changed, they'll never hold on to your points. And so as a believer, our primary goal is to lead them to life through Jesus Christ. 
If you want long-term change in someone, then it starts with the Holy Spirit inside of them, growing them and making them to become more like Christ. And the second way that people act, and maybe the why behind it, is maybe they don't know better yet. They just don't know better yet. Maybe they haven't been taught yet how to live a godly life. So the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would as to spiritual people. He said, I had to talk as though you belonged to the world or as though you were infants in Christ. In other words, yes, people have been forgiven. Their hearts are turned towards God, but they haven't spiritually grown and matured yet. They are, they are what the Bible says, babies or infants in Christ. And as they are just getting started in their walk with God, there's gonna be more mixture than a mature person walking with God. There's gonna be more of the world guiding their life from their old habits than the Holy Spirit guiding their life. They haven't learned yet. They're, they're growing. They're, they're just getting started in their walk with God. They're not being led by the Spirit of God. For those who are led by the Spirit of the God, the Bible teaches us that we would be more loving and more joyful and more peaceful and patient and kind and gentle and self-controlled. That would be the kind of people that are not difficult. Except for when you go to Home Depot three and four times in one day. So when these people are being difficult, though, they don't need a heavy correction. They need us to instruct them, to, to help them rise to the level of maturity. They need, they need a, a life group to be a part of. They need to be planted in a group where there are other believers in their life that are living for God and they see how to live and they're being instructed. They're not being beat down. They're being lifted to what God's standards are in life. And as they begin to live out this Christian life, they'll grow in their values. They'll grow in what they talk about. They'll grow in what they see. They'll grow in their aspirations. They'll grow in their dreams. We want to see people grow into who God has made them to be and to live the, God, the life that God wants them to live. Amen? And that's our goal. So that's your primary goal for those who are new in Christ. It is to help them become more mature. That helps you frame who these people are. The third group though, this group, this is the one. Maybe they know better, but still don't, still disobey. Now this is a tough group. These are the difficult people. These are the people that know better. These are the people that have been taught. These are the people that have walked with the Holy Spirit in their life. These are the people that, that should know better but still act rude. They still have outbursts of anger. They still complain and gossip and spread division and manipulate and, and they start heated arguments and, and they're, they're not controlled by the Holy Spirit any longer. Maybe there was a day they were, but now they're not. And I believe when Paul was giving instructions to Timothy about gently but strongly confronting people, I believe this is the primary people he's looking at. The people that, that know better, but don't do better. I wanna say to all of us as we look in the mirror, if you know better, do better, amen? 
In 1 Peter chapter 2, 16, it says, you are free because you're saved and under grace, you're free. Yet you are God's slaves, meaning we still should obey the word of God. So don't use the grace, the freedom as an excuse to do evil. If you know better, live better for the king of kings. In other words, don't let this grace and forgiveness be an excuse to behave any way you want. And so when we, when we face these situations, for that difficult person who doesn't know God yet, our goal is to lead them to Christ. For the difficult person who is new in their faith, our goal is to grow them in Christ. But for this difficult person who knows better but still disobeys, the goal is to, and let me ask you, is our goal that we should just stay out of their business and not judge them? Because they'll throw that on you, don't judge me. Because the problem with these people is they know enough to throw things back at you. Don't judge me or you'll be judged. Uh, is that how we handle that? Or should we just not confront them in order to keep the peace around all the time? I don't think that's what it's saying. Maybe we should just pray about it. Oh, Lord, we pray for them. Well, maybe that's part of it. But here's your goal. God, help me to gently confront with a heart for restoration. Like that's the key to it, for restoration. I think sometimes we miss that part of the equation. I think it's, Lord, help me to confront them. Give me the words to pound them, Lord. I want to straighten them out. I want to put them in their place. I want to get them in line. I want to, you know, like, give me, the, give me the words, God. Your goal isn't to straighten them out. Your goal is to restore them to Christ. And that sets the tone. That's why it's a gentle way. That's why there's a, a way to help them. Restoration means to, to bring back to its original, to bring, to restore them back to something that was in their heart to begin with. And then the apostle Paul says to Timothy that if it's done that way, then perhaps God can change their hearts. Because when a heart gets changed, then the values get changed. And when the values get changed, the actions get changed. We need to love people, for sure. And we need to confront people at the appropriate time, appropriate place, appropriate way, as it says. And perhaps God will change them. But even sometimes in our best efforts, church, even when you do it all right, and even when you love them just right and you, 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 you check all the boxes, and there are just some people that won't change. There are just some people that, that won't grow, some people that won't be restored. And let me just share this with you, church. Not everyone is meant for you to help. Not everybody's yours. Matter of fact, I, I just let you know, you're not God's sheriff, first of all. He did not give you the, the badge. You're not Barney Fife of the kingdom of God. The second thing is that some people just don't want your help. Maybe they don't trust you. Maybe there's not a relationship, but whatever reason, they don't want your help. Maybe they don't want help and they're just, that's who they are. And at this moment might be the time when you redefine that relationship. Do you know that Jesus defined relationships in his life? It's pretty interesting. You can redefine relationships. Jesus defined them. Look what it says in John chapter 2, 24. It says, Jesus would not entrust himself 
to them for he knew all people. In other words, there was a group of people that he wouldn't entrust himself. There were a group of people that he knew that he was going to keep a relational distance on some people. There were some people that he knew that, that he couldn't trust them any longer. Therefore, he was going to put a boundary of some type and he treated them differently. Jesus defined his relationships with people. What this means is, is, is you have biblical authority to treat some people differently. And if they won't respond to the gospel, and if they won't change their hearts, and if they won't restore back to the kingdom, and if they continue to hurt, then there might be a moment where you redefine that relationship. Not everyone gets to be close to you. You're like, wow, that sounds harsh. No, I'm protecting you. You teach people how to treat you by what you allow them to get away with in your life. Did you get that? That's a good word right there. Amen. Let's say it again. I, I need everybody to get it. You teach people how to treat you by what you allow them to get away with. Jesus loved all people, but he treated people differently. Let, let, me, let me prove it to you. He confronted the wicked and evil religious people, didn't he? They weren't in his inner circle. He had compassion for the lost. He treated them different. He, he actually went and had dinner with a few of them. He had compassion for the lost. He taught the multitudes of people. So there were people, multitudes, but he didn't know all of them in a relational capacity. But he walked with his 12 disciples, didn't he? They knew more about him. There was a closer relationship. The Bible teaches us that there were three that knew him even better. That was Peter, James, and John. They were closest. But there was one that the Bible says he loved. Now, he loved all, but there must have been a uniqueness about the friendship with the apostle John. And so Jesus looked at people and understood and he knew who he could entrust his heart to and he determined levels and places and boundaries and he protected his life. Don't you think you should too? If there are people that won't change, if there are people that continue to hurt you, if there are people that continue to drain you, if there are people that continue to rob your joy, Jesus gives you permission to redefine that relationship. Amen, church. Amen. Give me an amen. Help me out. Amen. So let me, let me wrap this up today with three quick points of advice on how to deal with difficult people at Christmas in your home. You ready? Number one, don't react emotionally. Don't react emotionally. Proverbs 12, 16 says, a fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. So don't allow someone else's behavior to trigger an emotional reaction out of your life. Don't be a fool. Answer a fool according to his folly and you become a fool. You should have thick skin and a soft heart, but too often people have it backwards and they have thin skin and a hard heart. So don't allow someone else's crazy to invite you on the crazy train this Christmas. Amen? Number two, don't react, but now do respond compassionately. Compassionately. 
which is the whole story of everything I've been telling you. I'll give you another uh, verse. So Galatians 6, 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you should, who are godly, you should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. In other words, don't let pride that you know better take you down as well. But we are to help that person get onto the right path. So compassionately help people. You, you are not the judge, you're the guide. Help them get back on the right track. Know why they're acting the way they're acting and respond accordingly, amen? Number three, wisely read the room. It's Christmas. And you're hanging out with people. Something happens. Crazy train comes through. Your, your, your uncle crazy. You want to tell him to get his life right, get it together, straighten up, quit drinking so much, and whatever, whatever that may be. My, my thought for you, though, is read the room because is Christmas the right time and right place for that conversation? Because sometimes you can have the right word and have the right wrong time and you'll not make a difference in their life. And so I want us to encourage you to, to read the room. The Bible says in Philippians 1.9, I'll give you a good spiritual word for it, but it says, this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment. That's what read the room is, is have the Holy Spirit giving you discernment on, is this the right time? Let the Holy Spirit give you that gift to know that who are you with and, and why are they acting how they're acting and is this the right time and place and way to deal with this person? And I believe if you'll take those into account this year, I believe you can have a Merry Christmas and make a difference with your life. The ultimate goal for us, one, is to protect yourself if there's an ongoing issue. But number two, we wanna help people be reconciled back to God. And praise God for the rain, amen? I can just keep preaching till the rain stops if you'd like. <laughs> Three of you. <laughs> Three of you are like, no, I got an umbrella. Hey, listen, Christmas is a season of celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. And he came to change the world through the forgiveness of sin. Our role is to partner with Christ and help people be reconciled back to him. Maybe you're here today and you're not walking with God. Maybe you're... you're your heart is far from God. And today is a day for you to come back to God. Today, I just wanna be your guide for this moment. Maybe, maybe you walked with God and, and now you found yourself not walking with God. And I'm here to gently correct you and say, would you come back to God today? Would you change the way you're living? Would you change the way you're thinking? Would you change your dreams and, and submit your life to God again? Maybe you, you've never met God, maybe your sins have never been forgiven. Today's a day for you to say, yes, Lord, I receive Jesus as my Savior. He wants to forgive your sins today. So with every head bowed in this moment, would you please bow your heads? And if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ,
I believe this is a moment for you to say, yes, I choose Jesus today. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor Tim, I want to choose Jesus today. God bless you. I see your hand. You can put your hands down. Maybe you're here today and you're one of those that needs to grow up in Christ. And you're like, Pastor Tim, I want to mature. I want to take a new step. Is that you today? Would you raise your hand? Is that you? Amen. Maybe you're one of those, though, that as we look in the mirror that know better. Maybe you've walked with God and somewhere along the way you got way off track and you want to return to God today. If that's you, would you raise your hand to me? Thank you, Lord. Let's all say this prayer out loud together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. He died on the cross to forgive my sins. I choose Jesus. I turn to him and I receive forgiveness. I choose Jesus. I want to serve him and live for him all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give Jesus a good clap? And then would you please stand to your feet for this last part of our service? Prayer team, if you'd go ahead and make your way up. Today, if you have a prayer need in your life, we're here to pray for you. Maybe you need healing in your body. Maybe you need prayer for, for strength to, to handle difficult people. Maybe, you, maybe you're going through a, a test or a trial in your life and you need strength for that. We'd love to pray for you. If you want communion, we have it at the tables. Otherwise, I'd love for you just to stand and worship together. I love you, church. Thanks for coming today. Let's take this final moment, church, and really press into God.